On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Will Tracy was on his honeymoon, he went to an island restaurant off the coast of Norway, and it wasn't long before claustrophobia set in. He described the experience as being held hostage by a story which they were telling for hours, and literally being stuck on the island until the meal was over. Slowly from that experience, a movie started to form. Partnering with Seth Reese, the two men wrote a screenplay, with Tracy being a self-described foodie and with Reese, not so much. They set to point on how both incredible and funny that fine dining culture really was. Their screenplay would eventually find its director and Mark Mylod, who caught all the elements of horror, comedy, and satire that was present in the screenplay. And with that, The Menu was born. Premiering at Toronto International Film Festival in September of 2022, and currently streaming on HBO Max, we cordially invite you to our discussion. So sit back and try not to take any pictures of your food. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Welcome back. Hi, I'm Brittany, and I am glad to be back. So. Yay! <laughs> episode whatever, but the first episode of season four. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I think it's 116, because I feel like Gremlins was 115. Wow. I think? Yeah. Plus sidetracks. Um, how are you, Britt? How are you this week? Oh, I've been crazy, uh, crazy, crazy, crazy. Oh, well, it's award season, so I'm watching a lot of movies, but that's yes. typical for me. So we'll discuss that more on sidetracks. But that's yes. kind of where I'm at. What about you, Katie? What have you been up to? All good things. All good things. Um, good. I watched good, this good. this movie, of course. Kind of just did all that stuff, getting back into the swing of things. But good things. Life is good. Life is fantastic. And this movie was very entertaining, I will say. Yay. So, Oh, I watched the Bengals game this last ah. week. The Bengals won against the Ravens. And I watched with the Ravens fans. So that was fun. Because my team won. And if you nice. know me, I don't really watch football. But I did. And it was fun. Gizmo even watched it with me. I'm mad because I was really hoping someone would get me and Gizmo Bengals jerseys for Christmas, just in case Aww. they made the playoffs this year. And now I'm like, I mean, it's a little too late. Next year, I will finally buy us some Bengals jerseys. You have to put that on your Amazon wish list. Or how I know. And I was like, how did I not put that on this year? I just, I thought I talked with my parents about it so much when they were going to the Super Bowl last year that we were all going to collectively order some. And then we didn't. Aww. And then I was just like, eh, it's fine. Um, but it was a good game. It was they had a fumble recovery that they turned into like a ninety-eight yard touchdown or something. Which again, wow. not a big football person, so I don't <laughs> I may say be saying the yardage wrong, but it was very interesting. It was very fun. And this weekend I'm going to make Skyline and we're gonna oh, eat Skyline. Chili. Yes. If you didn't know, Cincinnati has a very specific form of chili and it is a, a meat gravy. With spices and chocolate in it uh, from the mm. restaurant Skyline and put it on spaghetti, which I know half the audience, everyone in Texas has now completely stopped listening. And um, and you top it with about a quarter of a pound of shredded cheddar cheese. And it's fucking delicious and I love it so very much. Um, so I'm excited. They sell it at Publix now in Alabama. So I'm going to 
grab some and make some and we're gonna have some this weekend it'll be fun even if they lose at least i get skyline it's definitely not a healthy food I will say. I kind of like shit foods sometimes. Like, my coworkers will give me shit about certain foods. They'll be like, oh, you eat... There's a restaurant in our area called Habaneros. It's a Mexican restaurant. And And it's very American-Mexican. It's very, like, not seasoned meat, I would say. That's the only thing I don't like about those. But I like their queso, and it's a good, like... I like habaneros. Like, it's a good old-fashioned one. That's my issue, is that, like, they smother their quesadillas in cheese dip, and I'm just there for the mm. cheese, man. I'm not there for the authenticity. Mm. I'm there for it's fast food and it's cheese. There's one in Alabaster that I recently went to with my parents, and it's the closest one to the Tex-Mex I like, because there's a specific Tex-Mex restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, where I grew up, called Little Rosie's and and Rosie's, it's like a chain and they have like a fast food version called Little Rosie's. And then they have two just plain Rosie's that are like just a sit down restaurant. Best Mexican food in Alabama, in my opinion. But it's Tex-Mex. Like it's very specifically Tex-Mex. I have discovered I'm more of a Tex-Mex person than like a Mexican restaurant person. Because I You're like just like Taylor. Food. Yeah, I do. I love it. And so like... There's only one place I've gone to and I'm bl- and it's like a family run place and it's like oh I'm blanking on the name but like one day like yeah I'll we'll have to go cuz I really my parents took me and I was like oh my god this is like the best place cuz Birmingham does not have that many good casual Mexican restaurants they're all very like not very flavorful in my, in my opinion anyways sorry that was a food tangent so sorry This is perfect cuz this is actually the movie is like food, It is about so. food is, yeah. Are you are you a foodie, Brit? Okay, so I feel like a little weird when it comes to that. So, like, when you think of, like, foodie, I think of, like, so a lot of times you're, like, frill seekers, right? You're, like, you're trying to experience, like, food that's, like, really, like, either high-end or maybe unusual. So, it's hilarious because, like, when I think of one of the best dining experiences I ever have, I think of, like, an expensive restaurant. But incidentally, one of the worst dining experiences I also had was at a fine dining restaurant. So I'm like, ooh, ooh, I think the I tea. just... Spill the tea. So there is a... We live near um, Highway 280 in Birmingham, which is where a lot of the luxury places are. And there is a seafood restaurant on the Highway 280 that's, like, very big, very popular. And my husband wanted to eat it there for his birthday one year. I thought it was bland and really, really overpriced for what you pay for. Oh, I hate that. But Chess Fonfon, which is a restaurant in Birmingham, it's a French restaurant. Yeah. I've ate there three times, and each time I've ordered something different, and it's been completely stellar. We went, um, I'll be honest, the first time we went to this restaurant, it was at the height of the pandemic, so they had everyone sitting outside. It was freezing, but they had little heaters. Um, And it was, I mean, the service was incredible. Um, It's not like we go there on Tuesday. We've gone there three times. Each time has been a special occasion. And I can't pronounce anything on the menu. I will struggle (laughs) to pronounce something on the menu, and the waiter will gently correct me. Oh, that's uh, nice. so yeah, so it's like you know, but that's great. And then like we've been to this place in Louisiana called Muriel's, and they had boyu base. Uh, I think yeah. that's pronounced him. Oh Boyu-based, yeah, and that yeah. shit, it's expensive. So it's like fifty dollars a bowl. But it was our honeymoon. We got right? married. To, yeah, yeah, our honeymoon. Yeah. We got married that's- the day before. I think you should be able to treat yourself if it's in your budget yeah. on your honeymoon. I mean, um, yeah. why so, not? All of this, I, I went into elaborate things. So I don't think I'm a foodie. I love food and I enjoy eating food. But I'm not like you. You're the type of person, you know all the little finite details of what I, goes into something. Guilty. Guilty. Yeah. I, I guess I think I, I'm a foodie, but I'm not a foodie that is going to insult someone at their own restaurant you know like if I have a problem I don't like to send food back because I feel like if it's not my taste that's not the chef's problem because everybody's taste is different as long as it's not like obviously undercooked or like dangerous to eat like I will try to make it work but yes I would say I am also a foodie which is why this movie was so fun to watch because it's it's very satirical of foodie culture Mm -hmm. and art in general and how we process art. I will say I was surprised that like I was looking at the writers and they both wrote for The Onion at some point which makes sense because it's a satirical online zine it started out as and then it was like a website and now it's like i don't even know what the onion does anymore but 
The other thing that Seth, I mean, sorry, Will Tracy wrote for, which is one of my favorite shows of all time, is Succession. Yeah. And also Mark Millaud also directed s- several episodes of Succession. I was like, that's why I like this. It looks like yeah. Succession and it's got that tension. This is, I love Succession because that is like what Succession is. It's like you're watching terrible people do terrible things to each other and it's just fun to laugh at them because they're like little rich kids and they're like getting fucked over by each other and it's hilarious i think it's funny too because yeah he directed 13 episodes of secession mark malloy did but he also interesting enough directed six episodes of game of thrones I know. and the pilot the pilot episode of once upon a time like how different can you get like the disney one once upon a time yeah yeah, oh, yeah. that is crazy. He also did mm-hmm. Shameless and Entourage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm sure you read this too, Katie. So Chef Chef Dominic Krim uh, consulted on the food in the film. And she actually cooked the film on set. So she prepared it on set. So when the actors were eating, they were actually eating food. Some of it. Some of it was props too. And okay. so some of it they could eat and some of them they couldn't eat. So because you can't film that long and the food still yeah. looks that good. But they did have her be kind of like the oversight of it. And she is the only woman to, or female chef in the United States to attain three Michelin stars for Atelier Crenn um, in San Francisco as of 2016. And she's she still has three Michelin stars. I also love it. So there's a character um, in this movie named Elsa, and she's kind of like uh, Chef Slowick. What is not Matron D? What do they call them? Where is or is it Matron D? Like essentially where Matron D does kind of run the front of the house. Uh huh. But I mean, she's like the head of staff. I would say head she's of staff. Like the, okay. Or restaurant manager. I would call her the restaurant manager. But. Major D might be correct too. They don't introduce her as such though. Yeah. I love I Elsa. thought it I thought I did too. And I thought it was really cool because Han Chow was like, you know, she had created Elsa and like they had discussions and she kind of did her own version of what she thought Elsa would be. And she said that she actually came up to her that Cr- Dominic Krim came up to her and was like, I love what you're doing. It's absolutely spot on for a wrestling <gasps> this caliber. I want you to come and work for me. So Oh yeah, it's like she was like no offense, and Hong Chao was like no offense to Mark Malloy, but she's like that compliment was better than anything he could have ever said to me because she knows what it's like in this world. And yeah, I really like that too because it's like she does this character so perfectly because it's like she has to be friendly but not too friendly. Yeah, exactly. Do we want to do the rundown before we get too far into it? So this season we're gonna try to do less of in depth plot points and we're gonna do just a short rundown of the plot before we get into spoilers so then we can really dive deep um so you guys can watch the movies before we talk about them i guess we're gonna get ready to do a rundown which is like a new thing for us so we're still Mm -hmm. working out uh the pacing of this but basically we're gonna try to get for the entire movie in around 15 minutes or so again we are talking about the menu it is currently streaming on hbo max it is a yes. new movie it came out just last year in 2022 so at the beginning of this movie we have like what we think is this lovely couple it's margo margo and tyler margo yes. margo 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 and tyler and Margot's played by the incomparable big-eyed horror icon Anya Taylor-Joy, who, her real name is, like, Anya Josephine something 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 Taylor-Joy, by the way. Luckily, she shortened it for her job. Anyways, if you know Anya Taylor-Joy, it's because she was in one of our first episodes. She starred in The Vavitch by Robert yes. Eggers, and she was Thomason. She's fantastic in that. Um, she's been incredibly busy. She was just in The North Man. She was in Last Night in Soho. Emma... And Split, as well as the TV shows, The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, Atlantis, way back when, and most recently, The Queen's Gambit, the one about chess, mm-hmm. and she won a bunch of awards for it. Um, and Margot is very mysterious. And then Tyler is played by another one of my favorite actors, Nicholas Holt. I first saw him in About a Boy with Hugh Grant, um, but he's kind of graduated to being an adult. I almost said adult films, but not those kind of adult films, guys. Films like Mad Max Fury Road. Um, he's in the TV series The Great with, oh, what's her friend? About Catherine the Great, and I'm blanking on yeah. which which fanning sister. I don't think it's, it's not oh, Dakota. Yeah. It's 
It's L. Is it L? Yeah, yeah, I think it's L. And then he was also in like the newer X Men movies, and he was in the favorite and the zombie horror romance with warm bodies. I do want to point out. I know a lot of my friends when we were in college were super into Skins, and he was also Tony in Skins. That was like, oh. a really big. That was a big thing for him. That is a big. And this show. is this is just for my personal enjoyment. So everyone knows that I love Watership Down. Um, and he was Fiverr in the 2018 adaptation of Watership Down, which is Hazel, the lead character's little brother, who has visions of the war and dying, basically. But yeah, this couple is very... Um, when you realize what's happened in the movie, their dialogue makes a lot of sense. Because at first, like, he's like, she doesn't really care. She's like smoking. And he's like, babe, you're going to ruin your palate. And she's like, I don't really care. I'll die happy then. And then he's like, she's like, whatever, you're paying. I actually, I called this very, very early. Uh And the reason I called it so early, I was like, why does she like, I'm like, when you're in a relationship with with someone and they're like, and like, he's so passionate about food. I was like, why doesn't she seem happy for him? And then I was like, oh, I bet it's because she's. I was like, is this a very new relationship? Because she doesn't seem to know him very well. Or is she not really his date? Are they not yeah. really in a relationship and, like, someone canceled on him? Lo and behold, you find out someone canceled on him and he picked her up. Or, in spoilers, and she's actually an escort that he's hired. Yeah. So she's also Aaron. She's Margot and Aaron. Mm-hmm. Which is even worse because when we get into the movie, like, she shouldn't have to be there. And when you find out why, Tyler's an asshole. Let's just say that. He is just such a stereotypical, like, hoity-toity like, I don't care about other people kind of asshole. But he does get his comeuppance, so, you know, there's that. Yeah, and that's what they're basically, so they're going to, like, this dinner on this island where it's $1,250 a head, so it's not cheap. And basically, they're getting yeah, on this little cruise nothing. trip. Yeah, it's nothing, just right? Just 50 just like Ugh. most people's mortgage payments, you know, whatever. But they're going, and there's a lot of, like, very, like, wealthy or, like, well-known people there's like a food Uh critic there's like a kind of like washed up hollywood actor there's like these business bros uh so yeah Yeah. it's like you know everyone has a lot of money oh and there's a very rich couple who are obviously i was like because margo has like she sees the the man in the rich couple Mm -hmm. and she like cringes i'm like oh my god she slept with him and the wife doesn't know and the wife is played by Judith Light, and I love her. She's fantastic. Yeah, she is really good. But yeah, there's a, there's a whole cast of characters. Do we want to just go ahead and cover them? Yeah, we can real quick. There's a lot. It is, and I do want to say for, uh, real quick, as like a fun fact when you watch this movie, because the first time I didn't know this, and then watching it again, this was the kind of cool thing to know. So Robert Altman was the inspiration for this movie. He was like, he directed MASH, Gosford Park, A Prairie Home Companion, mm-hmm. And so my lord wanted to work in a Altimisk style. So everybody would be on set pretty much all the time. And mm-hmm. so because of that, they were mic'd all the time. And there's a lot of impros- improvisation. And he was basically shooting table to table. So they would always be in character. And he would catch bits yes. of conversation. And I was mm-hmm. like, that makes so much more sense when you're watching this movie. It makes it's why the comedy is so unique in this. And movie. it's also like everybody has their own scene partners, and so you've yeah. got you've got Tyler and Margot, and then mm-hmm. you've got John Leguizamo's character, who they just credit as movie star, but his name is actually Joe. J- Joe, because George okay, here's George. the here's the funny thing about John Leguizamo's character. Who's officially called George Diaz, but they just credited him yeah. as a movie star. So, Leguizamo. I, you guys know who John Leguizamo is. We don't He's talk in, about him. No, Bruno, no, no. <laughs> but he also, like, was in Romeo plus Juliet, Moulin Rouge. Um, and he was a voice in Ice Age, very Sin. famously. Uh, anyways, fantastic actor. He is basing that character off of, according to IMDb, quote-unquote, washed-up action star... Steven Seagal, whom he called a horrible human because they had a really bad experience working with Seagal on this movie, Executive Decision. And I want to encourage you guys to look up. I have watched that video, but the audio will sound weird if I play it now. But there is a very, I think he hit him. Oh. I feel like Seagal like punched him. Oh my God. Um. So according to the New York Post, um, he said, 
Gene LaBelle, the most famous stuntman in Hollywood, was in the movie with him, and Seagal kept hitting the stuntmen on purpose. Oh. Uh, that's when things got dicey. Gene said, don't do that to my boys because they can't hit you back. It's not fair, he continued. So he did it again, and Gene put him on a chokehold and said, you don't ever do that. I'm going to choke you to death. He never did it again. So basically, Seagal was just a big old bully to people. I find it hilarious that there's multiple references to this character playing a cook in one of his movies because that's a nod to a Steven Seagal movie called Under Siege, or Seagal also played a cook. Just a tidbit of information that I found on IMDb, and it's also on the New York Post article, and there's a couple articles about it online. I'm like, that's hilarious. So he's like a washed-up movie star, and his assistant, Felicity, right? She is trying to quit her job as his assistant, and she was played by Amy Carrero, who was most recently in Spirited and a television show that I have not seen, Exandria Unlimited. Um, she's also on, like, a, does a voice character for, I think it's a Disney show called Elena of Avalar. And yeah. voice character on she and the Princess of Power, which I believe is on Netflix. Um, so th- they're scene partners. They have a lot of funny scenes together. And then you've got the rich couple. Reed Burney plays Richard. Mm-hmm. He was in... Most recently, Mass, The Hunt, and he was also in House of Cards. But his wife, Anne, his long-suffering wife, is played by Judith Light, who, if you were an 80s baby, you would probably know her from Who's the Boss. But she was most recently in Transparent as the ex-wife of the main character and the mom of the family and um she was also recently in tick tick boom so yeah i love her she's a fantastic and she was also recently in uh this season of american horror stories and then we've got i didn't actually put maybe you have their stuff but we've got the corporate dude bros yeah by bob yang Arturo Castro and Mark St. Sir. So, Robbie Angas Bryce was in 20 episodes of Secession as Lawrence Yi. Lawrence Yi. Yes, Yee. he is. Okay. Yes, he is in Succession. I was like, I know that face. Yeah. And so, he also had parts in The Americans, Living With Yourself, American Rust, and One Life to Live. Uh, Castro as Soren was Jamie Castro in 25 episodes of Broad City. Uh, the movie's Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, which I think was Ang Lee, if I'm not mistaken. Bash Walk, as well as the TV series Narcos. And Alternado with Aruto Castro. So he had his own show, too, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Now, Mark St. Sire as Dave was 19 episodes of High School Musical TV series. So he was a teacher, I believe, on the uh, on the High School Musical TV series. As well as Doomsday and the movie Marshall. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Lillian and Ted. Yes. I love the one who plays Lillian. I was like, I know her face. Janet McTeer. Because mm-hmm. she was Jessica Jones's mom. Spoilers. In Jessica Jones. And she is the mom of the main character in The White Queen. Um, about the War of the Roses. And she's really good in that. And also she was recently in Me Before You. Mm-hmm. And then Paul Adelstein. Or maybe Adelstein? Is her sycophantic... Is he the assistant, Ted? Uh, or I... they just work together? He seems like lower on the totem pole. Uh, so, uh, spoiler alert, at the very end when she, like, goes to pay, he goes, no, 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 it's on the magazine. So, I don't know... Yeah, I think, like... Maybe he's her boss and or her editor or something. Yeah. Like, I, I felt bad that I didn't really catch that at the beginning. And then I was like, well, they'll tell me. And then they didn't really, so. But I do think that it's very funny because he's just sucking up to her all the time. Yeah. And it's very obvious that he's sucking up to her and it makes me laugh. But the actor was um, in Intolerable Cruelty Bedazzled. And Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce TV mm-hmm. show. He also, just because we may have some listeners out there, he was in uh, Prison Break and also in Scandal. I remember a lot of people were watching Scandal when it was oh, on the air. Scandal. But yeah, so we've got these uh, six couples. Well, and some extra people. But basically, there's apparently like 12 diners or so. Mm-hmm. Just like the 12 apostles at the Last Supper. Da-da-da-da-da! Yeah. That's only 11 people. Who's the 12th person? Are they counting? Oh, the mother! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The mother! So there's this whole thing where the mom is just chilling out the whole time. Um, who I believe was played by Rebecca Kuhn? Yeah, and that's where, so they go to this island, and it's 
the restaurant Hawthorne, who's ran by Chef Julian Slowick. Well, I was going to say it's based on, like, some actual, like, fancy restaurants and the toxicity of it. But he's played by not Ralph. Rafe Fines. Rhymes with safe signs. And that's something I need to ingrain in my brain because no matter how many times someone tells me his name is pronounced Rafe Fines, I still have to Google it every time I have his name comes up. Okay, so in my head, like, (laughs) obviously Rafe is mainly, to a lot of millennials, he's going to be Lord Voldemort in the Harry Potter series. True. But for me, he is in my favorite Wes Anderson movie, which is the Grand Budapest Hotel. He also voiced Ramses in the Prince of Egypt uh, animation Mm -hmm. film, which I absolutely love. And he was Francis Dollarhide in Red Dragon. And he's the English patient in English patient. (laughs) And also, (laughs) the film adaptation that I watched when I read uh, Wuthering Heights in in high school, um, he was Heathcliff, Mm -hmm. who's a nymphomaniac. Only with Kathy's body, though. Yes. Not nymphomaniac, necrophiliac. Sorry. That's at least what our my AP English class decided. He's also a classically trained theater actor and the first actor to win a Tony for portraying Hamlet. That's pretty cool. I also found out he has has a brother named Joseph Fiennes that also um, acts, which you've probably seen him in stuff. And apparently he's the eighth cousin of King Charles III. He's great in everything I've ever seen him in, honestly. Like, I think he's just one of those great actors. Now, I did want to point out, so Milo uh, was, Milo uh, was saying, he's like, the casting process was the best adventure. And he's like, if you look at race work, the the spectrum of his expression is extraordinary. So this was like his first choice for Slowick. So they had agreed very early on. They didn't want to see him as a baddie. So they're like, we need someone who is going to, he's consumed with self-loathing. He's in pain. <laughs> so Voldemort. Yeah. Consumed <laughs> with self-loathing. So yes. Voldemort. Yeah, that's why he cast him. But anyways, so they're on this island. Mm-hmm. We meet Elsa, which we've, who we've already talked about. Yes. Who is fantastic. And she, apparently she's in The Whale too. And she was in the yes. Watchmen series. And one of your favorite shows ever. Yes. So, uh, so this is hilarious because when I was reading her, uh, her filmography, I literally had to like fucking call Taylor and tell him. I was like, "Honey, do you know the assistant in the sh- in, in the menu who she played on BoJack Horseman?" He was like, "I have no idea." And I was like, "Pickles a plenty," and he was like, "Are you?" So, guys, Pickles is, like, if you guys know anything about BoJack Horseman, she is one of those characters the fan base either loves her or hates her. And there is no in-between. And it's because she's Mr. Peanut Butter's girlfriend in the final season. And she's like, so... Oh, I haven't gone to the final season! Well, I'm not going to tell you how we get to that point. So, but I've been waiting for you to watch it for a very long time. So... But she is, you may forget this by then. You may forget this by then, too. I'm just taking my headphones off for a second so I don't get ruined. No, it's no, it's nothing crazy. But she's social media obsessed. So she's always, like, on her phone. And she has, like, a constant stream going, like, where followers are, like, commenting. And she's like, hi, guys, it's Pickles. Like, you know, she's, like, doing, like, this and, like, I don't know. So it's, like, people either love her or hate her. fingers. Yeah. But I would have never guessed in a million years that it was the same actress. I love her. At some point, she bends down to one of the dude bros, and she goes, you will eat less than you desire and more than you deserve. And I was like, ah! She's terrifying. I love her. She's fantastic in this movie. She is. So, yeah. So, they meet Elsa. She gives them a tour of the island. They find out things like, hey, everyone involves lives on this island. Like, they all sleep in the same sleeping quarters. Like, it's... Like a cult. Like, they're very, like... She's like, yeah, everything doesn't, like, end till 2 in the morning and we get up at 6. So, I'm also like, they're only getting 4 hours of sleep. What? Now, uh, she does mention to Tyler because Tyler points out there... They points out the chef's house. And she's like, no one's allowed in the chef's house but chef. Uh, so that's something that, of course, we're, we're going to be on the watch out for later, right? Yeah, yeah. And she does, like, so she's like, hey, you guys can watch the chefs intubate, just don't take pictures. So at this point, they're in the restaurant, everything's pretty, there's a gorgeous view. Like, we're getting excited mm-hmm. for the food, right? The first course is, Katie, how do you pronounce this, a mousse 
amuse-bouche, which is cucumber, melon, milk, snow, and charred lace. So, and Julian uh, Solik welcomes the guests to Hawthorne. He's like, don't eat savior, you know? So it's like all this, like, kind of hoity-toity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, dude, get over it. It's food. I'm sorry. I love it, too, because as the courses continue, he starts telling childhood stories of him growing up in many different places and a lot of that came with the improv so the director would let them do the scripted scenes and then one last take that was improv and there's one part where he's like taco tuesday and he tells a horrific story of domestic violence between his parents on taco tuesday and it's so funny and so dark but i love it because like he keeps changing where he grew up yeah He's like, when I was a child growing up in Iowa, when I grew up in Edmonton, you're like, what? Did you grow up in Canada or Iowa? What the fuck? So, obviously, this is all for show. Yeah. And he is just a real big dick. But he's also very, it's obvious, like, he's lost the happiness in his life yeah. or something. No, so, like, in the, that's the third course, so they call it memory. So, like, all these, like, courses connect to, like, either the island or Chef Slowick's life. And I really, this is, like, the first time it takes a dark turn. Because, like, Katie mentions, it's, like, he brings up his childhood. And it's, like, oh, is this just him being theatrical? <laughs> but then they all get their tortillas. Like, there's, like, um, images printed on them. And I I love Tyler's because it's literally of him taking a picture of his food. with. His yeah, it's basically oh. all of their sins all of the sins that they've committed and the best thing is elsa someone asked elsa what is this and she's like it's a tortilla and she starts like over pronouncing it yeah like in spanish like tortillas and you're like oh no oh no now someone on imdb has a theory that all of the characters represent the seven deadly sins that are covered at six tables plus staff Soren, Dave, and Bryce are greed. Tyler is gluttony. Richard is lust. Envy is George. Pride is Lillian and Ted. And Sloth is Julian's mother who did nothing to stop her husband's abuse. Wrath is Julian and the other chefs who murder everyone. I was like, I would say that's a fair interpretation. Yeah. Now, it's not like... This is satire, but it's not hitting you in the face satire. It's very funny. There's yeah. a lot of very funny lines. And it, this is very reminiscent of how Succession goes, too. Okay. So, basically, the chef has a ton of dirt on everybody. And you find out that they're all kind of connected to him. But some of them make more sense than others. And it all comes to a culmination when one of the staff... It shoots himself in front of everyone as one of their courses. Yeah. It's called the the mess. When I called it, I was like, they bring out this white thing. I was like, oh my God, he's going to kill him. Like, someone's going to kill him or he is going to murder himself. Yeah. Because, like, that's why it's messy. And then it happened. I was like, oh my God, no. But they have to, like, explain it in, like, a way. So, like, Chef Slowick is like, the mess you make of your life essentially it's like by giving everything you have to pleasing people, you'll never know. Like, you know, that kind of BS. Yes. Um, I love this kind of satire. But basically when that, so that brings to a head what is actually happening is that he's like, we're all going to die tonight. And they're like, what? He's like, you are all the result of my artistic downfall and I'm taking you all with me. And so the, the, the dude bros work for the man who owns the island. And then the critic and the editor were the people that put him on the map, but have also said some harsh things about his food. Then you've got Tyler, who's a foodie fan, who knows, well, we'll find out later, but, like, like he is weirdly happy and doesn't really care about dying or whatever. Um, and then you've got the couple who apparently have come to the island several times. You also find out with the tortillas that um, the husband not only cheated on his wife, but cheated on him, her, her with Margot and made Margot pretend to be his daughter while he masturbated. So, yeah. that's some big shit. And then 
The worst one is John Leguizamo's character. He's like, I saw this movie you're in, and it was really bad, and I wasted my day off watching it. That's why you get to die. And his assistant <laughs> is like, what about me? And she's, he's like, where'd you go to college? Brown? You know, Brown? And he's like, do you have student debt? No. Sorry, you're dying. Yeah, I laughed so at that. That's like one of my favorite I was like, lines, too. Ah! Yeah. Also, someone says Mr. Handsome or Mrs. Handsome Face at some point, and I, I, it, I cackled at it. There's a lot of funny lines in this movie. It's fantastic. I like when he calls, one of my favorite lines is that he calls uh, Lillian's uh, buddy a buttress. He's like, you buttress. Yes. He also calls Richard a donkey, which is in reference to Gordon Ramsay. Stupid donkey! Sorry, that's my best Gordon Ramsay impersonation. The one of the bros tries to break the window, only to find out that it's shatterproof. Well, and the owner of the island, they kidnap him, tie his arms, put angel wings on him, and then slowly dip him into the water. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. And he's like, Slowick is like, do you hear that silence? It means I'm free. Like... It's so satirical. And, like, I wouldn't say... This isn't an overly gory film. But there is, like... They they cut off Richard's ring finger at one point um, as punishment. I was like, that's kind of awesome because he is an asshole to his wife. And there's there's also a part where they let all the men go run. Yeah. And they let the women just hang out and drink. And Margot finally comes out and she's like, yeah, I'm not Margot. My name's Aaron. If y'all want to know. I love that too because there's like a, a sous chef. Her name's Catherine Keller. I love Catherine played by Christina Bricado. And I was like that is like one of the best places. So apparently chef hit on her and then was an asshole to her and was very predatory. So she gets to stab him in the leg. Now first we thought I thought we thought that it was she was stabbing him in the balls. Yeah, I did too. But it was just the leg. Yeah. But, Which is funny because that's where he stabs his father in the story too when he's a kid. Yeah. But basically, it also comes out that Tyler knew about the plan to have everyone die. And his girlfriend broke up with him recently. So he picked Margot to come and be a sacrificial lamb. And the whole time, Margot was just not having any of this bullshit. It's, she's like, this is pretentious. But she understands the artistic bent behind it. He, she understands it, but she is, like, not fooled by the pretentiousness. And it's driving the chef crazy. And he basically tells her, like, you have to decide. Are you one of them? Or are you one of us? Are you working class? Are you the people who take from us? And so it is a bit of a classism look as well which i i like i like that satire as well and there's a little bit of a cultiness to the whole thing so that's cool too but yeah it's it's it gets good and like eventually margo does attempt to escape and he's actually almost like letting her because he wants to keep her yes like he, he he puts her on the same level as him and his staff because she's the only one who's not falling for his bullshit, but it also appreciates it. Yeah. There's definitely, like, an admiration there because they're very alike in some ways. Yes. Did, was it just me or when she finally goes to his cabin, his house, and there was a picture of him and a woman and a little baby? I was like, is that his daughter? I thought that, is too. Is she his daughter? I was hoping they wouldn't go with, like, a choice like that. And I don't think she is by the end of the movie. It's obviously they don't make that connection again. I think it's more like he had a family and he still chose his career over his family. Yes. I just had this idea, though, that, you know what, in a lot of ways, Slowick is probably condemning the people in the room for being like him, too. Because he also, at one point, he calls himself a slut. And so it's like, in a lot of ways, but he's famous, like the movie star, like Diaz is. And then it's like, maybe he was doing some shady money shit like the bros were. So, you know, in a lot of ways, a lot of their sins are probably similar to his sins, too. Well, I think he's more like cleansing the palate, as Mm -hmm. it were. Like, he's just cleansing, you know, everything. But he does let Aaron go get this barrel, and she finds a shortwave radio, and and she makes a call. She also runs into Elsa, who's like, you'll never take my place. And she ends up having to kill Elsa. And it was really awesome. Which I thought was cool. So I read this little thing with Hong Chow that this was her first kind of stunt scene. And there, she's like, and I was really proud of myself because she's like, Anna is a lot like taller 
and younger than I am. So she was like, I felt like I was like boxing outside my weight class. And she's like, and I just had a baby. Yeah. And she's like, and I just had a baby. Oh my God. Yeah, right? And she was like, oh, she said, but uh, she was like, I was really proud of myself. And so that kind of gave a different texture to the scene. I was like, it's wow, a good she's fight tough. Scene. Yeah. It's a really good fight scene. It's very interesting. This whole movie shot really beautifully too. Mm-hmm. So then you get this like cop out where you think the Coast Guard is actually going to save them. But it's a plant the whole time. But then now, Margot isn't part of his thing anymore. So she has to learn his affection. But she saw that he used to be a Bob's Burger-esque fry cook. And he was so happy back then. And that's why I love this part of the movie. But this is... Wait, is this... This is after Tyler gets his comeuppance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I skipped the Tyler thing completely. Because Tyler's always talking about how he knows so much about food and, like, he knows how to pronounce all the different kinds of food. And he has a Paco and Jet. what kind of... A what? A Paco Jet. Paco Jet. And he's a Paco <laughs> Jet, which I didn't even know what that was. I was like, I don't know what the fuck that is. But it makes a comeback in the movie and it's funny. But Tyler is given the opportunity to cook and he doesn't know how to cook. You can tell he's never tried to cook in his entire life. He can't chop vegetables correctly. That's what upset me. <laughs> One of my favorite things in this movie is every time they show the food, they give like a card so you know what the food is. Yes. And Tyler's food is called Tyler's Bullshit. And it's yes. undercooked lamb, an edible <laughs> shallot, leek butter sauce, and an utter lack of cohesion. I love, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, it's so funny. Oh my god. And they do so many different... Every every single course has its own little card. And it's really funny. They also had something... The breadless bread plate. Because apparently they are famous for their bread. But they won't let anyone have their bread. And I was like, well, something's wrong if you don't let people have the bread that you're famous for. That was a red flag for me. Red flag. Absolutely. They don't give you bread. Yeah. Um, But Tyler... I don't know. What do you think he whispered in Tyler's ears? Because the chef... Much like the end of Lost in Translation, whispers in his ear and we don't know what he says. But the next time we see Tyler, he's dead. I also follow Lost in Translation. I was like, what is he saying? Yeah. So that magical, whatever they say. I feel like it had to be something like how disappointed he was in them. Because it's like, Tyler, the whole movie is like, do you think Chef's mad at me? Do you think he's mad at me? And Margo's like, why do you care if he's mad at you or not? Like, what you right. are the customer. Because he has daddy issues. That's yeah. why. But that's what I'm Let's like. Face it. Obviously, Chef had to be like, I'm severely disappointed in you or something. I mean, because he had to say, I did find out in the original version of this the script though tyler doesn't commit suicide he washes dishes like and basically just oh, continues to wash funny. dishes and margo they're married in the original script and margo's like come on just yeah. leave and he's like nope i gotta wash these dishes man but yeah so he is dead by his own hand but then margo is like scared that she's no longer going to be able to survive so she does something wonderful and i love this she orders her own, she orders a cheeseburger, a plain cheeseburger. And I'm like, thank God. I think I said this watching the movie. I was like, thank God, because I fucking hate plain hamburgers. I think they're disgusting. No offense if you like them. One of my favorite things I caught the second time I watched this was so he makes her the cheeseburger with fries and he serves it on a paper plate. Oh. And she's, and it's like when she's ordering and she's like, an American cheese. American cheese is great for a cheeseburger. It melts. Yep. Can I have fries? Is the fryer on? Okay. I Absolutely. And her course is the supplemental course, a cheeseburger, just a well-made cheeseburger. Yeah. Notes, medium American cheese with crinkle cut fries. And she gets a to-go bag to leave with the rest of her food. And she leaves. I love it because she looks back at the diners one more time. And it's actually the wife that like nods and tells her like, go on, go. Well, and and the chef is finally smiling. Yeah. Because he said that he lost all his happiness in cooking. So I find that interesting. I love that she gets to leave. And then... Was, was it just me or did the ending kind of seem like the end of Midsummer? A little bit. The burning. Yeah. And the music even and sounded. The music, yeah. And they're like prepping everyone. So everybody gets a shawl made out of marshmallows. Which is beautiful. And a hat made out of chocolate. And they decorate the floor and they're like s'mores. Did you write down what they called s'mores? Yes. Yeah, so s'mores. It's marshmallow chocolate graham cracker customer staff restaurant. <laughs> but, well, oh, but he called it something. What was it? He, he was like, 
the s'more, the most offensive assault on the human palate ever contrived. Which I was offended by because I like a good s'more. Yeah. So basically he self-immolates after taking all of their money. Yeah, that's the funniest part to me is that like he is like, uh, we don't we don't accept tip as built into gratuity. Gradu- Gratuity, and he's gratuity. like, yeah, gratuity, and he's like, and you guys are getting gift bags. It's going to contain tonight's menu some granola. And it's like, what the fuck is the point? You're killing them all, but it's just so. Silly. Well, I think he just wants to fuck with them. Like, why yeah. did he have the Coast Guard guy come in? Yeah, like, and I was like, also, it must be a cult because why would you be okay with just dying with the rest of your coworkers? But it is a very beautiful sequence where he self-immolates with everyone else, and. Anya Taylor-Joy is, her boat starts, gets her far enough away so she misses the explosion, but then it dies, so she just sits there and eats the cheeseburger. But I mean, to be fair, there is plenty of food on the island, and she probably, well, I know they burned part of it, but like, I don't think Chef's house necessarily burned. And she'll probably, Coast Guard will probably check on them eventually. The real Coast Guard, hopefully. I like how she like, wipes her mouth with the menu. Like, she just wants yes. off with the menu. But yeah, that's the menu. It's, I like this movie a lot. It's very funny, but it's very darkly satirical. So, I mean, like, I don't know if everyone would laugh at it, but I, I thought there were some really good line deliveries. Do you think, is there a food you would die for, Brett? I don't know about dying for. No. What about you? Right? Yeah. I, you know, I don't think so. Like, I can't think of anything I've had that I can't make myself. <laughs> Like at home, like with with practice, of course. It's not like I'm going to whip up a souffle any moment. But like with practice, I'm like, if I could make it at home, no, it's not worth it. But Tyler thinks it's worth it because he, I can't imagine going to an island and be like, oh, and then I get to die with my food. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But there's also like a mental something there because he's also taking pictures of the food when he knows he's going to die too. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Who was? Who do you think was the worst patron out of all the patrons? I don't know. Maybe arguably Tyler because it's like he knew they were all going to die for one and then he was going to have Margot die and she's completely innocent. Like, she didn't even do anything to deserve to die. Yeah. Although Richard is maybe an abusive parent. Yeah. Yeah. It's him and Richard for me. Yeah. I love that Anya Taylor-Joy added, like, she, she went to the director and she's like, listen, I have a thing about female rage. And there's no way Margot would not hit Tyler. Like, he's like, well, I mean, she's like, no, no, she would hit him. Yeah. And Nicholas Holt was okay with it. So that's why she attacks him when she finds out that he basically brought her to die. Well, Margot already almost walks off the job like multiple times before they find out there's yeah. no escape because of him calling her a child and stuff like that. Yeah, he's such an asshole to mm-hmm. her. I was like, I kept being like, oh my god, I would break up with that person. Well, they weren't together, so. I do want to give a shout out to Peter Groves as a sommelier because he also was very funny, the wine person. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a lot of very funny lines. I was the only person we didn't mention. What was your, like, what were your pros? What were your favorite parts? I love the comedy behind this movie, but also just like the way mm-hmm. it was really filmed. Like, it is so ridiculously like funny and serious it's like it knows it's poking fun at the seriousness and that's what i really like about it so like every time they have a satire it's yes satire is best so every time they show the course they also show the logo for hawthorne which is like the h so they show the logo yes and then they show it's like so beautifully filmed and it's actually what did they get maybe you can help me remember so there is a guy whose specialty is like photographing food and they used him on this movie for like those close-ups because he was on like chef's kitchen i think i mean that's a pretty that's a pretty important job yeah but it just like looks good like the movie looks good and it's well acted it's well written like you can tell like someone with a background in humor wrote this film so I did like all yeah. those things. Also, like, Mark Malloy didn't really know a lot about fine dining cuisine. So he really threw himself in research to make sure he got it right. Oh, it was, real quick, so it was shot in part by Chef's Table, David Gilb. You know what's weird? Um, the movie star character was originally written for Daniel Radcliffe. <gasps> I heard that. W- wouldn't that be very different? Like, I like, I think John Leguizamo seems more washed up. Mm-hmm. Like, Daniel Radcliffe wouldn't have been as funny because, like, he's not washed up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's very actively active. But but I could see it, too. I think he would have been great as it. It would just be a very different vibe. But would he have been, like, would it have been meta? Like, would it have been Daniel Radcliffe playing Daniel Radcliffe? I think so, okay. because apparently the script 
referred to Young Frankenstein as a flop movie. Okay. I love the humor. The acting is so good. There was one review that was like, a bland movie elevated by actors. I'm like, I don't think so. I do think the cast helps a lot. Yeah. Because you have a lot of very strong performances. However, I don't think the script is boring at all. I think you could do this script as a play with anybody's decent theater and it would be well received. This would be an interesting play. You could do this as a play. Yeah. It would be interesting. Now let me ask, because you see this a lot with satires where they kind of fall flat a little bit in the third act or maybe the third act goes off the rails a little bit too much. Did you feel like this movie did that at all? I think the burning everybody alive went off the rails just a hair. But also, I would have been disappointed if they hadn't burned everybody alive. Because I'd be like, why did we watch this whole movie? Yeah. And it is satire. It's not real. So I think the only way you can put satire to good use is to overindulge. You know, it's like the whole, um, a modest proposal. Sorry. You know, there's a modest proposal. You have to go too big when it's satire or else people will get confused. Yeah. And they'll be like, wait, do you really feel this way? Because, like, if they didn't go overboard and burn everybody alive, I would have been like, wait, are we supposed to feel bad for these people? But they're not real people. They're totems of people. I will also say, not not that burning alive isn't horrifying, but could you imagine if, like, they had all drank Kool-Aid or something? I think that would have been even more kind of traumatic because you could connect it to an event like Jonestown. So... Well, yeah, that's why I liked the s'mores thing. Yeah. it was still kind of funny. Yeah, it was funny. I was, it was like, humor. some humor. Well, me and Taylor were talking because he was like, I just don't get why they get get up and run at that point. And it's like, they are almost like a... Well, the chef says that. Yeah, it's almost like they're accepting. He's like, why don't you guys fight harder? Yeah, they're very accepting. And they even say, like, because I think it's even the wife that's like, thank you, thank you. And then they're like, we love you, chef. So, because it's... Yeah. yeah. Well, there's something about... They, the, when they come in, Elsa leads them in with some, I think, goats. And there Judith, is some kind Judith, of like. Judas goats, I think they're called. A Judas goat. And they are used to lead like cattle to the slaughter. So, you know, maybe they're just accepting sheep. I don't know. The only con I kind of had was like, I do think if you don't like satire, you probably will hate this movie. Yeah. I think if you're not interested in foodie culture, you might not. Like, I mean, it makes fun of a lot of different people, but I feel like if you watch a lot of Food Network shows or, like, fancy cooking shows, you probably, like, laugh a little harder at it. So, it might be a bit of an obscure reference point, if that makes sense, but I think I've I've gotten, like, generally positive reviews about this one, so... I might be making a mountain out of a molehill. I get what you're saying, but I also think, so, like, I think a lot of people do watch those type of shows, because my brother, I know, loves, like, Hell's Kitchen, and so does Taylor. And I don't really watch them the way they do, but I, it, I mean, you do see clips of those type of shows on Facebook. You don't even have to watch the whole show to see, like, a clip come up in your newsfeed. Do you have a, do you have a rating for it? What would you rate this movie? Oh, so, it was kind of hard, because I felt like a 7.5 was too low, but I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's quite an eight for me. It's close. I think t- I've got, I've got an eight. Yeah, I've got an eight. I'm almost like I'm definitely more towards an eight than a seven point five. But I was almost thinking like a seven point eight, seven point nine. I really liked it. It was really good. It was a fun watch. Mm-hmm. It wasn't overly gory though. So if you're looking for like horror, horror, this would. There's horror that happens, but it's more of the situational thriller than like true horror. Um, what was your Grindhouse Girls rating? Um, uh, mine. Mine was not the best, uh, so I had two. One was rated C for cooks, chefs, and cheeseburgers. But then I was like, are cooks and chefs too sim- similar? I think they're too similar. Yeah. So I was like, what, 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 what? I had C for cheeseburgers, charcuterie, and culinary catastrophes. Oh, that's cute. I like that. Or rated M for Mrs. Handsome Face. Aww. Because I don't know why that line just made me laugh really hard. I get that. I also had A because it was something that Tyler says is A for art on the edge of the abyss. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Let's do rated A. Are you sure? Because C is cute too. Well, okay. Well, we can do C. Yeah. The only thing is, do they have a charcuterie board in the movie? No. But like, it's just I wanted to say that word. Cap. Ooh! Cheeseburgers and captive captives. Oh, that's it. Okay, wait. 
I'm changing mine. I'm changing, I'm taking charcuterie out and I'm changing it to captives. There you go. Cheeseburgers captives. So I guess with that, we're going to cover next week, which, um, so this is a movie I saw last month and it's wintry. Like the biggest sequence that people always think of with this movie takes place in the snow and it's very beautiful. So I was like, ooh, I have to do that when it's still cold outside. And it is a Korean horror film. Who'd have thunk it? Katie watched another Korean horror movie. <laughs> um, and it is called I Saw the Devil. And it's streaming on a lot of different places, including Pluto TV, Tubi, Crackle, um, Hulu, and Amazon Prime with a subscription. And you can also get it on other places. So this one is very, very available. I know it's been on Shudder before as well, but it actually is directed by Kim Ji-won and it, one of the stars is Choi Min-sik, um, who y'all will know from Old Boy. Yep. So I'm going to say like, there are some trigger warnings. There's some really brutal shit in this movie, but it does turn into a revenge film. So there's a lot of action too, very much like Old Boy, but the beginning is pretty brutal, so I'm just going to warn y'all. And there's a lot of violence. And there's a lot of violence towards women in this movie. Which isn't great, but I felt like it was presented honestly. And it wasn't glorifying it, if that makes sense. Also, the ending is fucking amazing. <laughs> but hey, you can also watch Clay Zombies after you watch this movie yes! to cleanse your palate. Oh. Because it's streaming on TV. And we also have a Clay Zombie Christmas to look forward to in the future, too. Yes. Yes, we should talk about that on a sidetracks um, for sure. But, um, yeah, exciting. And with that, I guess we'll say bye-bye. Um, I don't know why I sound like this today. Bye-bye. My caffeine kicked Bye-bye, in. Bye-bye, you bitch, you bitches. Bitches. <laughs> Bye-bye, you bitches. I was trying to say, oh, yeah. I was trying to say, like, the, the bitch, like, the bitch, the bitch, bitch. Bye-bye, you bitches. Viva Las Bitches. Anyways, so with that, we're going to say bye. Um, stay safe out there. Check your surroundings, y'all. Um, wash your hands, take your vitamins, get shots, wear masks if you're out in public, and be kind to one another, please. Um, and watch some spooky, spooky, spooky films. We're so excited for season four, and thank you for listening. On to you, Brett. Yeah, um, just echoing the same thing. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Once again, it's still winter, and as much as I love winter, it also brings along a lot of seasonal depression. So remember to take care of yourselves, take care of each other, drink your water, stay hydrated. Yes. Um, it's a little things. Take a shower, like you know. I I say that because usually it, <laughs> a shower makes me feel better. I'm just being honest. And if you can get a walk or a long bath, I know not everyone is able to walk maybe maybe you you aren't physically able to take a walk maybe you live in a place where it's not safe to take a walk but if you can take a walk walking is also really really good for you moving 15 minutes a day is really good for you um yoga yeah yoga is great it is it is just even stretching doing some upper body stretches is really good just anything that kind of gets your body moving and just be mindful of that like i'm not gonna tell you like oh you need to be running two miles every day no but you do need to just move your body around a little bit you'll feel so much better and thank yourself for it later um so yeah but with that watch a lot of movies take care of yourselves and each other we love you all We just look forward to seeing you next time. Uh, Same spoopy time, same spoopy channel. Stay stay spoopy, y'all. Bye. Bye. Night, Katie. Night, Gizmo. Good night. Night, night. Bye. Not everybody. Gizmo's asleep. He's gone. (laughs) He's asleep. Bye.
Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.